I might be the only person in the world who does not hate um, Lord Henry slash Harry. Um, I know that's a hot take, but um, yeah. Um, where to begin? First of all, welcome back to Cafe All It. Or if this is your first episode, um, God bless you. Um, you picked a good one. Um, maybe. I don't know. I've been recording for 45 seconds at this point, so you could have picked a very poor one. Um, but, uh, I'm very confident in my myself for the next however long this takes um whether i should be or not so this is kind of um i haven't really planned for this it just uh we read it for for the cafe outlet book club obviously um if you've been keeping up with that if you listen to the last episode i think it was i mentioned it and um if you follow either my personal page or or the um, podcast page on social media um then you have probably seen my posts about it we uh, just only the second month last last month we did Fitzgerald on his birthday it's Oscar Wilde's birthday one of the next three days um um, I'm recording this on Friday the 14th and it's either today tomorrow or Sunday I want to say Sunday I want to say it's the 16th but I'm too lazy to look it up and um he's been dead for a while so who cares um this book I was not expecting this book to be this this enjoyable to read. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but it was. It was quite enjoyable to read. Um, there was one chapter somewhere in the middle um, where I kind of wanted to die. Um, I think it was like chapter 11. Um, it was just... There was like five pages in the middle of it where it was just almost gibberish. I mean, I was pretty tired while I was reading it, which didn't help, but there was just a bunch of references to a bunch of different shit, and I was just not feeling it. Um, But the two chapters immediately following chapter 11, um, for those of us who can count, would be um, chapters 12 and 13, were absolutely fantastic. Um, and from, from that point on, the book was just, just plain good. Um, I enjoyed the first part of the book. I hated chapter 11. I loved the, the last, I guess, third of the book or so, maybe a little more that followed that chapter. Um, so yes. Um, is it gothic? That's a uh, a little joke that you will not find funny. Probably even if I explain it, but you know what? I'm going to explain it anyway. Um, I took a gothic literature class um, for my degree with... Uh, I was going to say one of my favorite... With my favorite professor at, at the school I attended. And... Um, it seems like every class 
we'd get done like talking about it or like sometimes at the beginning, some point during the class, he'd be like, no, is it Gothic? And then we would, um, we would kind of give our opinions on it and he'd be like, I don't know. It might be. And, um, that was pretty much every class. Um, don't get me wrong. We learned a lot in that class, but we never quite nailed down, um, what exactly, um, I mean, yeah, there were, there were like the basic rules of what makes something Gothic, but Gothic, um, could mean almost anything or it could mean almost nothing. And, uh, so it was, it was just kind of like the same, but now every time, um, me or one of my friends who was in that class or even one of our other friends who's just heard us talk about it so much, find something even remotely Gothic, we'll just be like, is it Gothic? Um, but this, this is widely um, regarded as a gothic novel. So I think the answer to this is probably a resounding yes. I'll have to ask that professor um, if he thinks it is gothic or not. Um, but yes. Hmm. No, I shouldn't tell you that. Um, just pretend I didn't say that either. <laughs> um, this book took a lot longer to get to like what everybody knows is the plot of this book than I thought it would. I did not think it would take that long to really get into it. Um, but it did. And like I said, I enjoyed reading it regardless. But, um, yeah. Um, I'm not going to summarize the book because uh, you should have already read it. If you're listening to this, there will be spoilers. So, um, take that for what it's worth. And I think a lot of people kind of basically have heard the plot of this book before, um, in general terms. There's no, it's not like a super intricate plot. It's just kind of like a, this is what it is sort of thing. Um... So I do have a number of quotes from this. Um, and if you're in the, if you are in the group, group me, um, which if you're not, join that for future, for future um, book clubbiness. Um, then you've already seen a lot of these. Um, But I found some some quotes pretty interesting, so I'm going to read a few of them now. Um, this one. Look at the successful men in any of the learned professions. How perfectly hideous they are, except, of course, in the church. But then in the church, they don't think. Um, I couldn't have a scene in this bonnet. It is far too fragile. A harsh word would ruin it. He was always laid on principle, his principle being that punctuality is the thief of time. I like I like that one. Um, Nowadays, people know the price of everything and the value of nothing, which is a quote I had seen many times before, I think, even uh, reading this. It sounded very familiar when I had read it, um, which is funny because can you hear that a lot now? Um even people people saying stuff like that and this this book was published in 1891 and it's um that much of it is still 
sort of relevant in its own way. And this was just a beautiful line right here. Out of its secret hiding place had crept his soul, and desire had come to meet it on the way. Um, a few more, and then I'll um get into a little more, perhaps. Um, talking about about other things in the book. Um, there's a luxury in self-reproach. When we blame ourselves, we feel that no one else has a right to blame us. It is the confession, not the priest, that gives us absolution. Thought that was just excellent. And then the last one I've got for now is, Of course, merry life is merely a habit, a bad habit. But then one regrets the loss even of one's worst habits. Perhaps one regrets them the most. They are such an essential part of one's personality. Um, there was more Shakespeare in this than I thought there would be. Um, but to be fair, I thought there would be no Shakespeare in this. Um, so there's that. Um, what was her name? Sylvia Vane? Is that... Um, Silva Vane. I've already forgotten. That's bad. Um, but his his first first little girlfriend who ends up um killing herself because she breaks up with him, or because he breaks up with her rather. Um, which is kind of interesting. It's not obviously exactly like Romeo and Juliet, but she was an actress who was playing Juliet in some of her plays. Um, she was doing that he went to see. Um, so there is, there is a definitely a Shakespearean um, thing to that as well. Um, I think uh, Oscar Wilde was definitely a Shakespeare fellow. Um, a fan of the, Old Willie Shakes. Old Bill. Um, and then, let me find it. There was one more quote near the end that was... That uh, was interesting. Um, I, Besides, how do you know that Hetty isn't floating at the present moment in some starlit mill pond with lovely water lilies around her, like Ophelia? Which was a not only a good reference, but um, and yes, Harry is an ass. But <laughs> but he's funny, right? I mean, it's dark humor, almost all of it. But he is funny. Um. I just I just had to say it. Um I'm not saying he's a good person. He's definitely not a good person. Um but neither is Dorian Gray, is he? Um So first of all, they This book is often described as Dorian Gray making a deal with the devil. Um, you know, good old-fashioned Faustian bargain. Um, but is that what it is? 
Um, if so, he definitely didn't do it intentionally. Um, you hear, you overhear someone talking about, um, um, him having made, made a bargain with the devil or whatever for, for his eternal youthfulness looking, um, at least on the surface. Um, but he himself, obviously he just said those words while it was being painted and there's just a sort of ambiguity to, um, I mean, you assume it's like a, a devilish kind of magic just due to like how evil in how, I guess, yeah, evil, we'll go with evil, how, how evil it makes him, um, act at times. Um, and just with the way that that portrait starts looking more and more evil in itself so you think you got you kind of you kind of have to assume it was a demonic sort of sort of deal there um but he it definitely wasn't like this bargain he made on purpose um it was more it was just like a wish you know it's it's a it's definitely a be careful what you wish for kind of deal um if you had to sum sum it up sum up the like theme of this and just one moral sort of phrase, that would be it. Be careful what you wish for. Um, could, could definitely call it a cautionary tale. Um, but I think I think there's so much so much more, and I don't want to get super deep into this because it's a whole novel. Um, you could spend. You could spend several, several, you could spend a couple hours talking about it for sure. Um, and I don't want this to be nearly that long. I just kind of want to give, give some thoughts on it, give some quotes, talk about it just a little bit. Um, but the preface, the preface for this, I want to read the preface real quick. Um, Oscar Wilde wrote this, obviously, um, as a preface to the novel, and I, I think it's, I think it's really, really solid, um, and, and interesting, um, well written. Uh, as the whole novel is well written, there's just some fantastic writing in this, um, which I believe, I want to say I read somewhere where he wrote this kind of later in his life perhaps um that could be completely false well yeah it had to have been let me do some math here <laughs> um as i loathe to do as a english lit major i tried to avoid math at all costs but um subtracting 19 subtracting 1891 from 1900 isn't isn't too terribly difficult um, so he only lived like 46 years or so, um, um, cause on the back of this book says 1854 to 1900. Um, if he wrote it, if it was published in 1891, you know, you can assume he wrote it like a, a little bit before that, but you know, um, we'll just use that as a reference. So nine, 10 years before he died, which is definitely later in life would put him in his, in his mid thirties, um, mid to late thirties which is about how old Dorian Gray is at the, at 
for like the second second a half the final third of this of this novel um Let me see. What else was I going to say? So, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say definitely later in life. I don't know much. It was his only novel. I don't know um, when he wrote most of his plays or poems. So I don't know how much he wrote before this and how much he wrote after this. Um, again, I'm too, I don't think I need to. Um, but, yeah, like like even the back of this book, Wilde's unforgettable portrayal of a Faustian bargain and its consequences. Um, it's not really... It both is and isn't what happens. Um, and I feel like you could definitely dive into that and debate, debate on that for a long time. But seeing as it's only me sitting in this room talking to this microphone right now, there's... Um, there's nothing, there's nobody for me to, to debate. That would be fun. Um, I, I know this, this one guy is really argumentative. Um, and it'd be fun to let him take one side and just have me take the other. Um, but at the moment, that's not a thing, and I doubt it will be. So I'm glad I keep bringing things up that aren't going to happen. Um, I said I was going to read the preface couple minutes ago and then I almost forgot about it um the preface the artist is the creator of beautiful things to reveal art and conceal the artist is art's aim the critic is he who can translate into another manner or a new material his impression of beautiful things the highest as the lowest form of criticism is a mode of autobiography those who find ugly meanings in beautiful things are corrupt without being charming this is a fault those who find beautiful meanings and beautiful things are the cultivated. For these there is hope. They are the elect to whom beautiful things mean only beauty. There is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. Books are well written or badly written. That is all. The 19th century dislike of realism is the rage of Caliban seeing his own face in a glass. The 19th century dislike of romanticism is the rage of Caliban not seeing his own face in a glass. The moral life of man forms part of the subject matter of the artist, but the morality of art consists in the perfect use of an imperfect medium. No artist desires to prove anything. Even things that are true can be proved. No artist has ethical sympathies. An ethical sympathy in an artist is an unpardonable mannerism of style. No artist is ever morbid. The artist can express everything. Thought and language are to the artist instruments of an art. Vice and virtue are to the artist materials for an art. From the point of view of form, the type of all the arts is the art of the musician. From the point of view of feeling, the actor's craft is the type. All art is at once surface and symbol. Those who go beneath the surface do so at their peril. Those who read the symbol do so at their peril. It is the spectator and not life that art really mirrors. Diversity of opinion about a work of art shows that the work is new, complex, and vital. When critics disagree, the artist is in accord with himself. We can forgive a man for making a useful thing as long as he does not admire it. The only excuse for making a useless thing is that one admires it intensely. All art is quite useless. I I like that. I might I might want to dive into that deeper at some point in the future. Um It's uh It's interesting. 
So the book does open up um, with them admiring the painting of Dorian, them being Lord Henry and Basil, or Basil. I'm going to call him Basil because, um, I don't know, feels more British to me for some reason. Um, that could be absolute idiocracy, idiocy. You know, it's fitting that um, I'm having trouble with that. Um, that could be completely stupid, but I'm going to go with it. Um, let me see. So, this seems to be the time where Dorian Gray meets... Harry for the first time and uh, old Basil kind of doesn't really want him to uh, influence Dorian because um, he knows that uh, Harry will influence him negatively um, which he definitely does you feel like Harry's like this underlying driving force um, behind a lot of the trouble that Dorian gets into in this novel um, I would say almost certainly plays a part in most of it. Um, how much of one, um, you know, who knows? Um, oh, I need to, I need to find this other quote. Let me see. Got the page number for it written down. There's this scene late in the novel where, um, like in the last 20 or so pages, where um, Dorian's kind of been scared to go out because um, that girl that he was um, briefly engaged to that killed herself, her brother is coming after him. Um, and he evaded him once um, just by... Um, because his 18 years has, has passed and he only looks 20 years old. And so he was like, how could I be that guy? I, I'm, I'm barely 20 years old. Um, it's kind of the gist of what he does. And the guy's like, oh yeah, good point. And he just puts the gun down and kind of walks away. And then, um, one of the, uh, one of the girls from the opium den, um, who i Read as probably being a prostitute, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Just pretty sure. Um, tells him that, uh, yeah, um, he's been coming here for 18 years and hasn't barely aged a day. So that was definitely him. And uh, the brother's like, so he, he chases after him. He can't find him, but eventually he tracks him down to his house. And so Dorian has seen him like peeking in the windows, and he thinks he's just losing his mind a little bit. Um, but a couple of days later, he goes out um, on like a a shooting trip i think they're shooting um they're supposed to be shooting some type of birds um which is doesn't really matter what type sybil vein not sylvia sybil so we've got that straightened out at last um but 
they're not having much luck shooting. And uh, so this one guy sees a, a hare bounding across the ground into a, and he ends up going into a thicket and uh, this random guy in the shooting party pulls the trigger and shoots and they hear a man cry out and says, good heavens, I've hit a beater, exclaimed Sir Jeffrey. What an ass the man was to get in front of the guns. Stop shooting there. A man is hurt. Headkeeper came up running with a stick in his hand. Where, sir? Where is he? He shouted. At the same time, the firing ceased along the line. Here, answered Sir Geoffrey, angrily, hurrying towards the thicket. Why on earth don't you keep your men back? Spoiled my shooting for the day. He's just shot a man, and he's like, you ruined my shooting for the day. He's mad at the man for running in front of this gun and mad that um, his day has, his day has been ruined. Um, and then, so he, he dies. Lord Henry's like, yep, he's dead. Um, and Dorian says, it's a bad omen, Harry. A very bad omen. What is, asked Lord Henry. Oh, this accident, I suppose. My dear fellow, it can't be helped. It was the man's own fault. Why did he get in front of the guns? Besides, it's nothing to us. It is rather awkward for Geoffrey, of course. It does not do to pepper Peters. It makes people think that one is a wild shot, and Geoffrey is not. He shoots very straight, but there is no use talking about the matter. <laughs> it shouldn't be funny, but for some reason, I, I think Lord Henry is funny. I think Harry's, Harry's a funny guy. Um... And it's, it does not do to pepper beaters, not because they're people. No, it has nothing to do with because they're people it has to do because it makes people think that one is a wild shot and you would absolutely, the only thing worse than shooting a man is people thinking you shot the man because you're a bad shot. Um... I felt like there was something else in there I wanted to talk about. I wanted to read. Um, oh, here it is. Here it is. Um, yes, it was very curious. I don't know what made me say it. Some whim, I suppose. He's talking about um, Dorian told the guy not to shoot the hare. Um, right before he pulled the trigger, um, not knowing there was a man, like he wasn't trying to save the man. He didn't know the man was in there, but, um, he told him not to shoot the hair. He just, I don't know what made me say it. Some whim, I suppose it looked the loveliest of little live things, but I am sorry. They told you about the man. It is a hideous subject. It is an annoying subject, broke in Lord Henry. It has no psychological value at all. Now, if Jeffrey had done the thing on purpose, how interesting he would be. I should like to know someone who had committed a real murder. There are so many times in this book where you're like, Lord Henry knows what Dorian has done. There are several instances in there where like, he's just so close to the point of, of something that has happened um, regarding Dorian. And he just, he's like right there. But he's just, he's just 
talking. Like he has no idea, but there's parts where you're like, does he know? Like there were so many times reading this book where I was like, does Lord Henry know what Dorian has done? Um, let me find this next part. Dorian comes, tries to come clean to Harry. Um, what would you say, Harry, if I told you that I had murdered Basil? Basil. I like Basil. What would you say, Harry, if I told you that I had murdered Basil? Said the younger man, which is Dorian. He watched him intently after he had spoken. I would say, my dear fellow, that you were posing for a character that doesn't suit you. All crime is vulgar, just as all vul vulgarity is crime. It is not in you, Dorian, to commit a murder. I am sorry if I hurt your vanity by saying so, but I assure you it is true. Crime belongs exclusively to the lower orders. I don't blame them in the smallest degree. I should fancy that crime was to them what art is to us, simply a method of procuring extraordinary sensations." A method of procuring sensations? Do you think, then, that a man who has once committed a murder could possibly do the same crime again? Don't tell me that. Oh, anything becomes a pleasure if one does it too often, cried Lord Henry, laughing. That is one of the most important secrets of life. I should fancy, however, that murder is always a mistake. One should never do anything that one cannot talk about after dinner. I don't think if Lord Henry was a real person, I don't think I would like him at all because he is a absolute shit stain of a person. Um, I'm going to have to mark this episode explicit, but fuck it. Um, I, <laughs> absolute shit stain of a person. Like he just, he's just no good. There's very, very little good. Um, uh, to say about the man that is Lord Henry, um, known by those close to him as Harry. I do not understand why that's a thing. I'll have to look it up. Um, some British thing. Um, clearly. Um, I had I've I've seen Prince Harry talk about how his actual name is Henry, but they call him Harry. So I, I, I don't know if it's just like a, uh, like if you have a title sort of thing or, but his is Prince Harry. So, but he's the, you know, I'm not even going to follow that line of thought because I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's not that I'm, not that I'm opposed to being wrong, but it would just be kind of pointless for me to keep, uh, <laughs> keep down that line of thought. Um, so yeah, I've lost my train of thought on that one. That's good. Um, yeah, no, terrible, terrible person. Um, influences Dorian poorly. Dorian at one point, he well, he gives Dorian uh, a a book to read early on in the um, early on early on in the novel. Dorian reads it, sort of falls in love with it, starts to change his life based on this book. Um, gets several copies printed of this one book or either like just orders them. I don't know if he has them printed or if he like orders them and it has them rebound in different colors to suit his mood um, depending on the day. Like, so he'll have like a yellow one and a green one and a blue one. Like, you know, uh, just 
I think the original one was yellow or something. Like it just if he's in a different mood, he doesn't want to read a different book. He wants to read the same book with a different color cover on it. Um which was something. Um <laughs> a little weird, but uh yeah. What else? But oh yeah, so that book, um at near the end of the book, he uh, Dorian, I don't have the exact quote on me, but he says, Don't ever give that book to another person. Promise me you will never give that book to another person. It has ruined my life. Um it was something to that effect. And um yeah. At the very end, um Dorian starts trying to like um sort of um what's the word I'm looking for? He tries to um I have a word in my head. It's not the right word, but I think it's close. I'll just find something else. Um he tries to kind of right his wrongs. Um a little late in the game and he finally he's just upset and he's he's blamed the, he's like i'm gonna get rid of this of this portrait it's where everything started to go wrong um and not only that it's it's uh, it says it's there was only one bit of evidence left against him the picture itself that was evidence he would destroy it why had he kept it so long once it had given him pleasure to watch it changing and growing old of late he had felt no such pleasure it kept him awake at night when he had been away he had been filled with terror lest other eyes should look upon it it had brought melancholy across his passions its mere memory had marred many moments of joy it had been like conscience to him yes it had been conscience he would destroy it. So he looks around. He sees the knife that um, he stabbed um, old Basil with earlier in the book. And um, he said he's cleaned it so many times that it was bright and glistened. Um, as it had killed the painter, so it would kill the painter's work and all that that meant. It would kill the past. And when that was dead, he would be free. It would kill this monstrous soul life. And without its hideous mornings, he would be at peace. He seized the thing and stabbed the picture with it. There was a cry heard and a crash. The cry was so horrible in its agony that the frightened servants woke and crept out of their rooms. Two gentlemen who were passing in the square below stopped and looked up at the great house. They walked on till they met a policeman and brought him back. "'Whose house is that, Constable?' asked the elder of the two gentlemen. "'Mr. Dorian Gray, sir,' answered the policeman. "'So they kind of walk around. They can't get in. "'The only key to that to the room with the portrait was one that Dorian had, "'and Dorian has locked the door to the room. "'So they have to go up onto the roof of the house via another room, "'drop down like some freaking Mission Impossible stuff.' And uh, onto the onto the balcony and break in through the window. Um, says the windows yielded easily; their bolts were old. When they entered, they found hanging upon the wall a splendid portrait of their master as they had last seen him, in all the wonder of his exquisite youth and beauty. Lying on the floor was a dead man in evening dress, with a knife in his heart. He was withered, wrinkled, and loathsome of visage. 
It was not till they had examined the rings that they recognized who it was. A, a very fitting and strange end to a very strange novel. And that is where I will go ahead and end this episode. Um, without any further ado, I bid thee, as the nerd I am, to keep on reading.